Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to The Broad Experience, the show about women, the workplace, and success. I'm Ashley Miltite. This time, women and communication. Women are often criticized for the sound of their voice, the language they use, the way they apologize, and some of them are saying enough. I think that I have decided that rather than changing myself to be taken more seriously, I'd rather just stay who I am and make people take people like me more seriously. But not everyone applauds that decision. Instead of battling against it and saying, accept me for who I am, this isn't who you are. You weren't born using upspeak. You weren't born putting yourself down or undermining yourself. These are habits that we've developed over time. Habits, she says, we can unlearn. Coming up, women's voices and communication styles play into a perception problem. But whose problem is it? I live in the US, and over the past couple of years or so, women's voices have got a lot of attention, and not in a good way. There's been a lot written about the tendency to use upspeak, that's when you have a rising intonation at the end of a sentence, and then there's vocal fry when your voice gets a bit creaky at the end. Even though men certainly use upspeak, and probably vocal fry, we don't hear nearly as much about their communication issues. Jessie Char knows all about this. She works in tech in San Francisco. She gave a talk last year at an industry conference. And during the talk, she spoke about how she, a young woman, is perceived in part because of the way she sounds. When did you first realise that some people had an issue with your voice, your speaking voice? I used to be on a podcast called Let's Make Mistakes on Mule Radio with Mike Montero. And... um, I had realized after I had been on it for like a year, I hadn't looked at any of the iTunes reviews. And I was thinking like, oh, like people on Twitter seem to really like this podcast. You know, I I was starting to meet people in the real world that actually had recognized me from my voice, like being in an elevator and somebody being like, oh, are you Jesse Char? And I was thinking like, oh, I'm pretty cool. And, um, And then I went and I finally looked at the iTunes reviews and... Well, there weren't like a ton of comments, um, the only comments about me were about how dumb I sounded and how annoying my voice was. Somebody said it was like nails on a chalkboard. That was actually the title of their review, Nails on a Chalkboard, and how some people would fast forward through the parts where I spoke so they could avoid listening to me. I mean, that's pretty, obviously, that's ga- that's galling. And it's really, it's gutting, actually, to see that kind of feedback about something that's so personal. It's part of your identity. Yeah. And it's not a thing I can change or work on. I mean, you know, I could technically get a vocal coach and speak in a lower register, but it is me. It's not a thing that I've, you know, can really work on. Jessie's part of a larger group of women who feel the same way, and they're getting fed up of being criticised for how they speak. In the world, my background is in public radio, and 
women public radio reporters get so much blowback about their voices and it's become a topic of conversation in public radio circles in the last couple of years because listeners of both sexes write in and they're really mean about these women's voices and they're probably predominantly young women but it's the kind of feedback that men just don't get or very rarely get you know and some of these women are saying I'm female, so of course my voice is higher. And B, who are you to tell me how to sound? Yeah, and I mean, those conversations about the public radio voices were kind of what awakened my realization that it wasn't just me and it wasn't about me. It was a part of a larger, I say, unfair criticism of women's voices. Because, and it was, you know, over the last 10 years for me, you know, as I've transitioned into adulthood, I think that like, I've just had this gradual awakening of what sexism really is and what it means to me and how it impacts me in a very real and very consistent way. Um, you know, there were there were times when I was younger when, you know, like I wear a lot of dresses. I'm a very girly person. In my talk, I wore a pink dress very intentionally um, because, you know, at a lot of tech conferences, you see a lot of gray hoodies. And, and I used to get criticisms like, eh, maybe you should dress a little bit less girly so that people take you more seriously. And, you know, that was a thing that I originally also took a little bit personally and, and, and like, yeah, I am maybe dressing incorrectly for what I want to be perceived as. But just over time, I just start realizing more and more that it's not me and it really isn't just about the way that I dress. Or the way she speaks. She says it's about other people's inability to see her as fine the way she is. She doesn't want to change herself to meet some societal expectation for a professional woman. I think that I have just kind of, at least for this point in my life, decided that rather than changing myself to be taken more seriously, I'd rather just stay who I am and make people take people like me more seriously which I hope is a shift that can happen. I wonder how long that shift will take. Because part of the reason I'm doing this show is a lot of us work for large companies. They're quite traditional. And they see professionalism as looking and sounding the part. As an example, I was a guest on the My Crazy Office podcast at the end of last year. An HR person for a law firm wrote into the show, and I don't know if this person was male or female, but they admitted they were passing over young, mostly female lawyers for jobs because they sounded unprofessional with all their upspeak and vocal fry. Then a female engineer wrote in, and she was furious she hadn't got a promotion. It had gone to a less experienced guy. She'd found out her boss thought she sounded like a Kardashian. He didn't see her as smart enough to get the job. Teo Cristea is an actor. She lives in LA and I spoke to her because she has used a voice coach. She wanted to reduce her foreign accent to land better parts. She's Romanian, but she moved to Canada when she was 12 and then she moved to the US as an adult. She's learned how to speak from further back in her mouth and drop the hard consonants of her native country. So when she needs to, she can sound completely American. The best feelings actually was um, I went out for a role that required uh, a foreign accent and I decided to go in speaking perfect American in case I didn't get the role. I wanted them to know that I was I could do more than just the foreigner. 
And the casting director was so worried that she felt the need to remind me that, you know, this was an audition for a foreign girl and could I do the accent that was required. That was huge for her. Her coach helped her with upspeak too. Like most of us, she didn't even realize she was doing it. I think it's a result of not being confident about a, a topic you're discussing or a situation that you're in, or about not feeling comfortable exerting that confidence. She found nixing the upspeak changed the way people saw her. It was a nice confidence boost, and people listened to me differently. You know, if someone notices you questioning yourself, then they will question you as well. But she does think women get unfairly penalized for this. I don't think it is an issue that's limited only to women. I think that looking at it that way is actually pretty cruel because it sort of puts women in this little corner, saying, "You know, you're all these negative things." And then to the men who exhibit these symptoms, right? This coping mechanism of dealing with whatever it is that makes them speak this way—it's sort of ignoring the fact that they also have an issue. Like upspeak, using a lot of qualifying words in speech or emails is another thing that can make you seem uncertain. Maybe you've heard about the new Gmail plugin that draws your attention to justs and I thinks and sorries in your emails. They're all seen as words that undermine your message. Jessie Chart does pay attention to this stuff. I've done a lot of work on my emails because you know certain emails you want to make sure are very very clear, um, and and I think that it does help in some cases to look through and see how many you know justs or maybes or possiblys you have in there and maybe take some of them out um, just to strengthen the message. But at the same time, I also prefer communicating in a slightly softer tone. Now, whether that's a product of, you know, not wanting to be perceived as too harsh because I'm a woman, because it's so impossible to decouple what is really coming from me versus what is, you know, the product of all of the outside influence I get. Um, it's it's hard to, to determine that. But I guess me, as I am with all of my external influences, I do like to soften my emails just a little bit. And I don't find that I get negative results out of that, at least, at least not that I am aware of. I'm the same way. I keep an eye on my justs and I thinks, but I generally craft my emails pretty carefully. They're less direct than they could be, but I'm okay with that. And if I'm writing to another woman, I may leave in a just or two that I take out if I were writing to a man. Apologizing is another dance. Women are being urged to apologize less, but there's cultural stuff here too. For a lot of women, or Brits, or Canadians, there's something polite about all that apologizing. It's just part of who we are. Jessie does say sorry more than she'd like, and she isn't sure how worried to be about it. This could be kind of a product of like the whole package of me looking the way I do and speaking the way I do and whatever my stature is. I'm very short also. And there are just some times when, you know, I'll be in a business meeting and I'll be talking to a group of women and men or just men because it's tech and sometimes you just end up in a group like that. And it just looks like the words are going in one ear and out the other. And the and then I panic and backtrack and and not as confident that they are listening to what I'm saying and so I need to like you know 
mix it up a little bit to get their attention or apologize to get their attention. It's a really, it's like not an intentional thing that I do at all, but I know it is a thing that I do. And I don't know, since I haven't experienced being a dude or taller or with a lower voice or like a more, you know, pantsuit wearing gal, I <laughs> I don't know how I would be perceived differently and if that would change but she's not keen to start lowering her voice or wearing a Hillary pantsuit because she wants to feel like herself. We'll come back to that idea in a minute with a very different point of view. So I know plenty of women in tech listen to the show, and I want to let you know about a conference called Write, Speak, Code. They're sponsoring the show today. Right Speak Code takes place in Chicago in June, and it's all about encouraging women developers to become speakers, thought leaders, and open source contributors. If you've been listening to the show for a long time, you may remember I did an early show called Women in Tech Speak Up, and I went to the conference and we spoke at length about women's reluctance to call themselves experts and how we can change that. All the information you need to know about the conference is at rightspeakco.com. And if you're a company that would like to sponsor the event, the organizers would love to hear from you. And thanks. Ita Olson is a communications coach. She's the person who worked with Teo Cristea on her accent and her upspeak. And I also worked with Ita several years ago because I wanted to get rid of my filler words. So things like like and um and you know. My radio interviews were peppered with these words and it was driving me nuts and probably my interviewee as well. So I worked with Ita to rein them in. As usual, I wanted to know a bit about her past and why she got so interested in communication in the first place. I've loved communication skills. I remember in second grade, Sister Thomasine was my phonics teacher. And I literally remember phonics. <laughs> I have always been interested in it. But really, I've always been interested in not only the sounds, but also the relationships and what communication skills do for you. And pretty early on, she decided her accent wasn't going to cut it. At the age of 14, I changed my Long Island, my Long Island accent. <laughs> well, well, yes, tell me what you sounded like before. You know what, Ashley, I can hardly do it, but I'll, I'll try. I trained myself out of it so good that I can't do it. But I kind of sounded maybe like this a little bit. I didn't say my er sounds, the or, you know, instead of office, which is the right way, I would say office, you know. And, you know, before I was 14, I thought, okay, that's just the way it is. That's how I sound. You know, it's like, it's like the people today saying, well, that's just how I sound. But no, it's not a permanent characteristic of mine. I don't need to stick with it. God given Long Island accent. I could have been born anywhere, you know. <laughs> so she changed it. I got rid of that accent. It took me a few years. I got it totally out of my speech. And then um, in the tw my 20s, I changed my voice. Okay. So... I had a high, very high pitch, not, not very, very high, but I had a higher pitch, you know, and oh my gosh, this was me giving a presentation at the age of 21. Two people away from me would be like, Ida, can you speak up? I can't hear you. 
Because I would be so nervous, right? And I would have a closed throat. And what happens when you have a closed throat is your pitch gets really high. And, you know, I kind of went up at the end. And I was also really insecure and afraid. And you know what, Ashley? I'm still insecure. I'm still afraid. But how I can't allow that to impact my my trajectory of my life. Do you know what I mean? I need to keep going. I need to succeed. And so I had to make sure that I changed the way I spoke. Plenty of people think the same way. Her clients often come to her as they're moving up at work. They may be managing people, they want to come across as more confident, or they just want to get people to listen to them properly and do what they say. Ita says there's so much power in the human voice. Why wouldn't you want to use it to your advantage? A lot of the work involves doing throat and tongue relaxation exercises, learning when to take deep breaths and slowing down. Ita says it's the women who are most surprised by the outcome. And a lot of the women that come to me, actually sort of halfway through the program, they'll say, this is too much power. Like people are doing exactly what I tell them to do. And they kind of want to tone it down at first. And I make sure that they really bring it all the way because we have a responsibility to do our jobs and do our jobs to a fairly well. And if we're kind of timid and we're not really getting our message out there, then we're not, you know, living up to that responsibility. So it's really important. Quite a few clients want to be heard more during meetings. Is it mostly women who come to you with that that request or that desire to be more heard in meetings? Or do you have guys as well? It's both, but I would say there's more women who talk about the meetings because they get up there and they're really being interrupted. And everybody wants to place the blame on the people who are interrupting them. But it's not really... That's not really where the problem is. The problem with being interrupted is because you're using a run-on sentence, because you're not being concise, because you're using up-speak. These sort of things are actually impacting the way other people are processing your information. They're not able to process your information. They can't process it to a really, really precise degree, what you need to put out your information, and it needs to come out really concisely. So no one's trying to be, I don't know who's what they're trying to do be, but maybe some people are, but people aren't really trying to be mean and say, oh, you're not worthy and you're not saying anything that we want to hear. It's that you're not putting your message out there as well as you should, you know, and it's not something that we're trained. We have to learn this. We have to go about improving ourselves and training ourselves to be able to communicate in this concise fashion, this persuasive fashion. Now, man-terrupting definitely exists. I hardly need to tell some of you this. Plenty of women have experienced that thing where you've barely begun to speak when a male colleague runs right over you. But this isn't the first time I've heard or read about women using run-on sentences. I have no idea if there's any scientific proof of this, but I know it's something I do myself. Again, I guess it's a question of should that be okay, or should we ramblers learn to be concise, to be better understood? And speaking personally, I think I'd rather try and make myself more concise so people can get my meaning quicker. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Going back to what Jessie was talking about earlier in the show, I asked Ita if some women come to her because of the quality of their voices, and she said yes. People come to me because they have, when they answer the phone, someone will say, can I speak to your mommy? Or, you know, did I get the right number? Because they'll they'll have such a high, tight pitch that they do sound like a child. But ever, just about everyone I work with ends up with a little bit of a lower pitch because, and I hope that doesn't like scare people, because the reason why we have this too high pitch, the reason why we do all of these things, up speak, glottal fry, run on sentences, very high pitch, is because our throats are really tense. And this is not an abnormal thing. Everybody has tension in their upper bodies and their vocal mechanism. And the more the tension ridden, the more tension in a situation, the more tense we're going to be. Now, we have to work on eliminating that tension from our bodies. Hmm. So you mean, but what aren't there some people, though, surely there are some of us who just because of heredity have naturally quite high voices? You know, it may be, it may be true, but nobody's really working with their true voice. Nobody. Unless you've learned to open up your throat, you're not using your true voice. Huh. Am I using my true voice? <laughs> ah! <laughs> That's scary. I think you're most of the way there. Huh. Most of the way there. Yeah, yeah. And just to flip back for a minute, did you notice what she did after I asked my question about heredity? Heredity? Have naturally... Quite high voices. You know, it may... That pause, that deep breath before she began speaking, she says that's all part of what makes you a clearer communicator. Isha doesn't just work on voices. She looks at communication across the board, including how you come across in writing. So I had this client at a Fortune 1000 company. She was so high up, she reported to the CEO. And we were role-playing a meeting she was to have the next day. And she said, "Um, this is just an initial raw draft. Just initial raw and draft all mean the same thing. (laughs) So, you know, talk about coming across as afraid and not strong. So we had her saying to her boss, hey, boss, here's my draft. Get a look and let me know what you think. Within days, He stopped micromanaging her. So she learned to use direct, plain, active language with concise breath groups. That means stopping at, you know, appropriate phrases. And people started taking her more seriously. He, the CEO, stopped micromanaging her. And he started respecting her for her opinion. So these slight little changes, instead of battling against it and saying, accept me for who I am, this isn't who you are. You weren't born using upspeak. You weren't born putting yourself down or undermining yourself. These are habits that we've developed over time for various reasons. And of course, those reasons often have to do with playing out our gender the way we're expected to. I use softer language in emails because subconsciously I know that's how I'm expected to come across. As for speaking, Ita says by learning relaxation exercises and a few other techniques, you can come across as perfectly feminine if you want to, yet authoritative. It doesn't have to be one or the other. She doesn't understand the resistance to changing something that could be hurting you at work or anywhere else. 
why would we think we shouldn't get better at communicating? It's the one single pivotal thing that gets us what we need out of life. We spend hundreds of thousands of dollars for an education. Then when we go into the interview, we blow it. And if we didn't blow it, we just still didn't come across as well as we can when we're sitting chatting with our closest confidants, you know? Our true selves don't show when we're in more anxiety-ridden situations. We can hire a tennis pro, we take music lessons, we go to the gym, we improve all aspects of ourselves. Why do we think we should be born an amazing communicator? We're not. Ita Olson. Thanks to her, Jessie Char, and Teo Cristea for being my guests on this show. Let me know what you think. Do you think it's caving to a sexist society to change your communication style? Or do you think of it as self-improvement? You can comment at thebroadexperience.com or on the show's Facebook page. And I did another show on communication in 2014. That one's called Communication at the Office. It's episode 46 if you want to look it up. If you're in tech, don't forget to check out rightspeakcode.com. Talking of technology, please subscribe to the show on iTunes or however you listen to podcasts if you haven't already. You can also do it on the Acast app. I've joined a podcast network called Acast, along with lots of other great shows. You'll be hearing more about them in a future show. And finally, I'm recording my part of this episode on a new fancy recorder I bought with your contributions to the podcast. So thank you. I'm Ashley Milne-Tite. See you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.